Hello everyone, my name is René Claure, one of our global hosts from LATAM on the Employment Matters podcast, and I'm here covering the ELA Annual Conference in San Francisco. I'm talking in this opportunity with Lee, a Special Immigrant Counsel for Hirschfeld Kramer, Andrea Baldwin from Bertal Labor and Employment Lawyers, and Alejandro Luna from Santa Marina State. Lee is from the U.S., Andrea from Canada, and Alejandro from Mexico. So we are here with the North American team on immigration matters, and we will be speaking about how issues are affecting our clients in Canada, Mexico, and the U.S. Lee, welcome to this special edition of our podcast. Can you please tell us how things have changed as a result of the pandemic? Are there new programs, policies, or practice affecting the immigration world? Thank you, Renee. Well, one of the issues that we're having is that the pandemic has made it much more difficult to get a work visa for the United States. In fact, all types of visa processing is more challenging now after the pandemic. Our U.S. consular posts around the world were overwhelmed after they were able to reopen following the pandemic closures, and they still are suffering from staffing shortages and backlogs from all the applications that they were unable to process while processing was actually stopped during the pandemic. It only was stopped for a few months, but the backlog became tremendous. And also, once travel resumed to the United States, there were more people. There was a not only just a backlog, but there was also new demand. So what people are finding is that you can apply for a visa at a U.S. consular post, and you may be scheduled for an interview many months out in the future. And there's a process that not everyone knows about, that what you do is follow up with an email and explain, as particularly a business visa applicant, you explain that the time frame for that interview does not work for the business, and you ask for an expedite. And those are not necessarily granted, but they are routinely granted, and it, it is a way to get an expedite. So I think that's a really important message right now for people looking to come to the United States for work or for investment or to look after their business after a couple of years of the pandemic. Thank you for sharing this information with us, Lee. It is absolutely important to keep in mind that difficulties continue and we may expect delays. Absolutely. I just would like to add that in terms of changes, the Biden administration since last year has been trying very hard to correct these situations. But for example, the State Department recently told us just last week that they could use 2,000 more foreign service officers at our consular posts abroad. And they did not get all of the funding for that that they had requested from Congress. And similarly, our Immigration Service and the Department of Homeland Security has told us they have 4,000 open positions that they're trying to fill. So we're looking forward to some you know, improvements in processing time and waits for visas, but at the current time, it's still a difficult situation. That being said, it is absolutely possible to get a work visa and come to the United States. It just is a little trickier than before. So we've had to learn some new, new ways to help our clients. Perfect, perfect. Thank you, Lee, for this information. Now we move to Canada with Andrea. Andrea, how is the situation in Canada? Is it different to the states? What are the main changes resulting from the pandemic? We also have a backlog problem, Renee, in Canada. 
So that doesn't impact individuals who don't need a visa to enter Canada because they can apply for their work permits at the port of entry. So on their way into Canada, that wasn't available for visa exempt nationals during the pandemic. For the first time ever, they had to go through an overseas visa office procedure, which made it harder during the height of the pandemic. We're still in the pandemic in 2020 and 2021 to get an immigration approval if you had a job that you needed to come to Canada to do. But these days, as I said, we can avoid the backlog largely for foreign nationals from the US or from Western Europe and Australia, that sort of thing. But those people who have applications in process, it is very frustrating as an advocate, because there doesn't seem to be things we can do in every case to help our clients. For example, I have one client who is in New Delhi waiting for his application to be approved to come to Canada. And the post-it processing times, I was heartened earlier this week to see that they had shortened from 50 weeks to 48 weeks. But that's a crazy amount of time. So we are finding innovative ways and, and trying to be creative in how we can bring certain applications to the forefront of the immigration decision makers in Canada. And our immigration department, they're working hard to try and eliminate the problem. Our immigration minister announced earlier this week that he hoped that the backlog problem, there's always some wait period, but that this huge problem would be resolved by the end of the year. And the Canadian government has pledged $85 million to hire new staff and to also come up with innovative ways to process applications. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Andrea. So backlog difficulties is something that is also taking place in Canada, but we also see some important measures and policies that are being applied. How do you expect to be the situation? How do you expect that it will be in the next months as a result of these policies and new measures that are being taken by the Canada government? How do you think this will help the situation? Well, separate and apart from the backlog issue is we have a labor market shortage problem in Canada and an aging population. So immigration is one way to, to solve some of our demographic issues, and the government recognizes that. The unemployment level in Nova Scotia is at the lowest recorded level since 1976. So I was one in 1976. That's a long time ago. So we, we need people. We need permanent residents, like new permanent immigrants to Canada, and we also need folks to come to Canada temporarily to solve our labor market issue problems. And so what is happening on the permanent immigration side of things is we have a, an immigration-friendly government right now, and the immigration plan for the next three years is projecting to have higher numbers of permanent residents than ever before. And the goal is to admit 1% of Canada's population as permanent immigrants. So for 2022, that's uh, 430,000 permanent residents. Now, bear in mind, Canada has a relatively small population. So our, you know, 40 million people in, in the entire country. And from a workforce labor market perspective, it's a very welcoming time. Backlogs aside, in April, the government announced a workforce solutions roadmap, and they have taken steps to eliminate some of the speed bumps and challenges to make it easier for employers to bring international talent to Canada. 
very interesting, important changes going on in Canada because employees are required, especially for certain types of jobs and in general. So this will change the labor market in Canada. But we will be back with that question in, in a few minutes, please. Alejandro, to close this initial question for our panelists, I would like to know what's your impression? What were the changes in immigration programs, policies, or practices? What happened? What was the impact of the pandemic in Mexico? Sure. Good afternoon, René. And on that regard, I guess from a regulatory legislative perspective, there haven't been many changes. The government has not centered too much on that. But general policy has changed. First, of course, there's the same backlog that we've seen and or heard from our colleagues here from the U.S. and from Canada. Uh, immigration first, uh, global mobility from a business immigration perspective stopped at the beginning of the pandemic, but then it ticked up again quite significantly from two perspectives. First of all, remote work. We're seeing people that taking into account the geographic location, the climate, the cost of living, the food, have opted to work remotely for their foreign employers in Mexico. And that has gotten really interesting, although you not necessarily have a specific remote visa work qualification there in Mexico, you can acquire temporary residency for that effect. And it will have certainly certain effects from a tax and labor perspective and certain risks that we can go a little bit more in depth, I guess, later on. But secondly, the global workforce has had to wait a lot, that there wasn't too much enforcement. But right now, we have a great deal of austerity measures imposed by the current presidential administration upon our administrative authorities. And therefore, the National Immigration Institute is lacking the proper human resources to attack other problems that have surfaced. We're being used a little bit as a stepping stone to get to the States by other nationalities. A great amount of foreigners are coming into our country and waiting it out to get their U.S. visas in Mexico. So, of course, that has to do a lot with both Central America, Cuba, but also with the Chinese nationals, with Ukrainians now, etc., that have come into the country Haitians. And because of that, they're overstressed and, and the backlog goes back considerably. And we initially started to be able to file things electronically. Now we've gone back a lot to physical filing, similar to the U.S. and in difference to Canada, where I understand you can do a lot more electronically. It's a little bit more advanced. And this has caused a lot of waiting here in, in, in Mexico as well. But it is possible to obtain work visas. We're still very much open for business. We were one of the few countries that remained open throughout the pandemic to receive foreigners. Perfect. Perfect, Alejandro. Although regulations, although the laws have not changed in the immigration field, but it is obvious that the policies have changed as a matter of fact. Mm -hmm. On the balance, how do you think these changes will impact the immigration system and how it works at present in Mexico? 
Well, I do think that it's overburdened and that may create further delays, but we will be seeing a little bit more enforcement by the Mexican authorities on the laws that they will be centering on the workplace that they hadn't been in the past because they know there's been an uptick of people coming in. Okay. And in general, the labor authorities, the labor system has changed in Mexico considerably during this time. Reforms such as on subcontracting, outsourcing, and the like, and changes as a new system comes into force of the actual authorities enforcing labor will change the immigration policies in line with that. Although it's a separate authority, they will go in line with the new labor authorities. Thank you for sharing this with us, Alejandro. Without a doubt, there is a close relationship between immigration law and labor law and enforcement of both. Thank you. Thank you, Alejandro. And to close this brief discussion with you, I will go back to Lee. And I would like to ask you, how are things becoming in the U.S.? Is it more protectionist or facilitative from a labor market perspective? How do you find that the pandemic has changed the U.S. in regards to protectionism versus facilitation, maybe, of the labor market conditions? Well, in terms of our immigration system, we don't have any changes to report in that regard. I mean, right now, I'd say the Biden administration is trying to be very welcoming and trying to be pro immigration across the board in every way. And they're finding it difficult because of all the resource challenges that they inherited from the prior administration when things were quite tight and we had a lot of difficulty. So I think currently what U.S. employers are facing is a need to be more flexible in terms of where their employees want to live. And that has a direct impact on the immigration process for each employer because, for example, One of the most common visas that we use in the United States is H-1B visas, which are for professionals. And those visas are tied not only specifically to each employer, but also to each work site. And now that people have different work sites, in some cases, employers are having trouble tracking the work site of their employee. And if the work site is outside of the same metropolitan statistical area, they have to file actually an amendment to that visa, which is a whole new visa petition. So I think that's the type of thing that right now employers in the U.S. need to be focusing on. Perfect, perfectly. So we hope that this flexibility and this pro-immigration policies that are being applied will come to a reality. And what else would you advise to employers to have in mind, to keep in mind in relation to immigration? Well, just a quick tip that during the pandemic, we were allowed to complete Form I-9s, which are required for every single new hire to prove that the person is authorized for employment. We were allowed to do those without actually physically inspecting the hard document, the original document. And that, that rule, that flexibility rule is going to come to an end. And so employers really ought to be taking care of that now and inspecting the original documents Once that policy ends, they will only have three days to complete all of it. And ICE, which is the agency that controls I-9s and regulates I-9s, has told us they are going to be quite strict about enforcing that in future I-9 audits. So that's my tip for employers today. Very, very importantly, as the pandemic comes to an end, then we're going back to our previous formalities. And maybe digitalization will no longer stay at least in this specific requirement that must be complied by U.S. employers. Thank you. Thank you, Lee. Andrea, 
How about in Canada? What's going on? Is it protectionist or facilitative from a labor market perspective? What's going on? I would say it is facilitative right now, which is a nice contrast to what we saw at the beginning of the pandemic when separate and apart from official government policy, many immigration officers were interpreting the law and policy from a protectionist perspective. In the latest immigration plan for the next three years, the immigration minister says that immigration is seen as the solution to Canada's pandemic recovery. So that's really, as an immigration lawyer, that's, that's wonderful to see. Canada has quickly moved as many programs as they can online because part of the problem during the pandemic was when social distancing measures were in force and, and we were in shutdown, much immigration decision-making just ground to a halt because of paper-based applications that were sitting in processing centers in Sydney, Nova Scotia, and Mississauga, Ontario, and there was nobody there to process them. What IRCC Immigration, Refugees and Citizenship Canada did was send people, limited numbers of people into those offices to scan those files so that officers who were working from home remotely could begin to process them. So that was not efficient and is part of the reason we are dealing with such a backlog. So many, many new applications are, are now possible to be submitted electronically. But that has created system issues. The global case management processing system or, or software is almost at the end of its life. And so to enable electronic submissions, there's a mishmash of various different portals that have been created. And they regularly go down or experience outages. So employers and immigration lawyers like myself who represent those employers regularly are frustrated because the, we'll say the portal, when we say the portal, it, it means the whole entire portal system could be out for a day or so. And, and that's not great if an employer needs to file something through a portal before a key employee can, can travel to Canada. So the government is aware of that and says they're doing everything they can. And so we just try and plan in advance. So we're, we're not caught at the last minute if an outage occurs. So, Andrea, there are still important challenges to become a real facilitative labor market. And what would be a tip that you would like to share with your potential clients, with employers around the world, or with citizens around the world? What would you tell them using this space? Well, that Canada is still very much open for business to Canadian-based employers or foreign employers who need to send their specialized service providers to Canada to work on various projects, that there certainly is a pathway or potentially more than one pathway. We, we always consider the options and, and develop and recommend the most appropriate strategy, bearing in mind timelines and portal issues and, and backlogs. So it's just important to consider all of the options and, and to plan in advance so that there is sufficient time to take all the steps that are necessary to send or bring someone to Canada. Perfect, perfect. So explore potential alternatives and plan ahead. Very valuable tips that employers need to keep in mind. What about in, in Mexico, Alejandro? How is the system at this moment? Is it protectionist or facilitative? Although from an economic perspective, the Mexican government certainly, the current administration certainly has its nationalistic or protectionist tones. 
As to immigration itself, I think they've recognized first the obligations that Mexico assumed in the whole myriad of international free trade agreements that we have signed with our various partners throughout the world. Of course, mainly those being the U.S. and Canada through what is called CUSMA or USMCA or TMEC, depending on the nationality. So, we're still, we're going to be keeping on being very much open for business. But the big challenge will be from, again, an administrative point of view, having the resources to process applications, to actually enforce, to actually follow through with the proper regulations because of the austerity measures, firstly, and secondly, because of the reality that we are currently facing in illegal immigration into Mexico, which stresses the system in a way that goes beyond what was originally foreseen in budgetary purposes and the like. No? And of course, political pressures that we are having from governments abroad to make such enforcement. So because of those facts, we're still very much open for business, but employers in general, foreigners, although they will be seeing certain increase in enforcement in particular areas, they will also suffer a little bit timing-wise in getting the, the visas, etc. Although the consulates have done a moderately good job. But then again, the offices of the Immigration Institute, some of them have changed or closed. And, and then we're seeing queues, like we still have to file a lot physically. We're seeing queues of people or lines lining up at 3 a.m. in the morning to be able to file whatever they need etc. with the immigration authority or even worse. We've had people in the Monterey office of the National Immigration Institute camping for two or three days as if it was the Star Wars premiere, mind you, of, <laughs> of a movie. And that's just to file. No? So, so that has gotten a lot messier and people have to be very patient. Right now they interrupted the electronic appointment system. You used to be able to get appointments with the authority electronically prior to that, and that's been interrupted right now because of software issues and, and second austerity measures, and, and that has provoked this. So we're going to be seeing a lot more in that regard, and that must be taken into account when you're going to make filings as regards immigration processes in Mexico. Perfect, Alejandro. So Mexico, as other countries in North America, need to facilitate immigration processes. Yes. However, bureaucracy is still an issue for everybody. Yes. Thank you. Thank you very much. And to close this space, Alejandro, what would be the takeaway or the tip you would share with employers in Mexico in relation to immigration and these obvious changes that have occurred in our world as a result of the pandemic? Well, I think I would recommend that they still, although enforcement went down, they'd still have to be very careful about enforcement and keeping proper compliance with their immigration processes, firstly. And secondly, to keep in mind that we can do remote work from Mexico, but that you must be certainly be a little bit careful on the labor and tax side from that perspective, because there's still a chance that if you as a foreign employer have one of your employees working from Mexico remotely, that is legally possible, but there's a chance there 
of risk from the labor side and you should properly document that that it was the option of the employee to work from mexico okay and to take into consideration that there may be social security and tax aspects to consider from that perspective if they're working from mexico as well although there is more flexibility as a result of the pandemic at the same time there are also requirements that must be complied with. New considerations that didn't probably surface two years ago or two and a half years ago, no? that now must be taken into account by this new work environment, new normalcy that we're seeing. Excellent. Excellent, Alejandro. Well, thank you very much, Lee. Thank you very much, Andrea and Alejandro, for sharing this time with me. Thank you. Thank you, Rene. To our listeners, if you would like to connect with Lee, Andrea, or Alejandro, you can find their contact in the Find a, a Lawyer tool on the ELA website. For more information about the ELA and reach any of our lawyers worldwide, visit us at ela.law. By registering on the website, you can receive timely updates to events, webcasts, articles, and to use the ELA's exclusive Global Employers Handbook. You've been listening to Employment Matters, a podcast from the Employment Law Alliance, the world's largest and most prestigious network of labor and employment lawyers from the best law firms in the world. I'm Brené Claudio. Thanks for listening.